Hi, I'm Derek Thompson. Does the news feel overwhelming to you these days? There's a pandemic, then there's inflation, and also this crypto thing. It's way too much to keep track of. That's why my podcast, Plain English, breaks down the news twice a week. Short, sweet, and surprising. It's everything you need to know with key insights you won't forget. Listen to Plain English free on Spotify. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's The Bear, starring Jeremy Allen White, Ayo Adebri, and Eben Moss Backrack. Season two follows as the crew work to transform their grimy sandwich joint into a next level spot. It turns out the only thing harder than running a restaurant is opening a new one. Television Academy members can watch all episodes at fxnetworks.com slash FYC. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome. It is Thursday, June 16th. Today, we're going to be talking about CNN. So at the height of the Trump years, CNN was rolling. It generated more than $700 million in profit in 2020. That's according to SNL Kagan. Less than half of Fox News, but still enormous profit. It not only covered the news during the Trump era, but often it became the news when Trump would fight with CNN or its correspondents would challenge the president on particulars of his election lies or, uh, you know, the various controversies of the day during the Trump years. But for Trump fans, CNN stopped being, quote, the news. It was something else. Times have changed, obviously. Trump's gone. Jeff Zucker, the executive whose mandate was to go all in on that stuff. He positioned CNN as pro-truth, while Trump often made up his own truth. He stepped down in a scandal involving a romantic relationship with a subordinate. And now CNN is under new ownership. It passed from AT&T to this company called Warner Brothers Discovery and its new CEO, David Zasloff, who's been pretty open about wanting CNN to return to being, quote, the news again. That job has fallen to a guy named Chris Licht. He is the former Morning Joe producer. He was at CBS News. And most recently, he was the producer of the Stephen Colbert show, which ironically succeeded by pivoting into the resistance to Trump and still is a home mostly for progressive, liberal-oriented comedy, more so than you would typically find in late night five years ago, seven years ago. Now, Chris Licht is charged with doing the opposite to CNN. He's supposed to tone it down. He's supposed to eliminate the uh, the most fringe elements of partisanship on the network. And he has already started. We saw this last week. He instituted some new guidelines on what CNN will do. There's no longer going to be that breaking news chyron that glared at you uh, whenever you turned on the network. He's talking about banning the use of, not banning, but discouraging the use of the phrase, the big lie, when referring to Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election. Uh, that, he says, is more of a Democrat talking point rather than using terms like Trump's lie or lies about the election, something that sounds less like a hashtag and more like a descriptor of what's going on. It makes sense to me that he would try to do this stuff because obviously, CNN is 
a brand that for many, many years stood for a nonpartisan news environment where everybody could get the news of the day. And if you're alienating half your audience, um, that's not good for business. But the real question now is, A, whether that can be successful or whether CNN has been so politicized under the Trump-Zucker era that there's no real path back. And if that effort is underway, who will survive in this environment? Is there going to be a house cleaning? Will there be a new set of correspondents and anchors at CNN that have not been tainted by that partisan edge that it had? Where's Jake Tapper or Anderson Cooper or Don Lemon? Where are those people going to go? So today I decided to bring in an expert on CNN. He actually used to work there, Dylan Byers, who's my colleague at Puck. And he has been writing a ton about the Chris Licht era at CNN. So we're going to get into it with him and talk a little bit about CNN and who will survive the new CNN. From The Ringer and Puck, I am Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Dylan Byers. Dylan is my colleague at Puck, and among other places that he has worked, he once worked at CNN, so he knows the place pretty intimately. He was uh, under Jeff Zucker when Zucker was there. Now there's a new boss at CNN, Chris Licht, and the question I pose, Dylan, is can CNN pivot back from the branding and resistance-type journalism that it was doing during the Trump years and have a down-the-middle news brand in this country? That is the most pressing question for CNN right now. I think, um, I certainly think that they can do something that is a departure from the sort of chest thumping, uh, opinionation, you know, uh, we stand on the side of truth and, and everything that Trump and the Republican Party and Fox News are doing, um, is in contempt of truth and civility and democracy itself. Uh, by the way, that assessment was at times, may have at times been quite accurate, but it certainly positions CNN, um, at a remove from not just the Republican Party, but I think from a lot of independents and people in the middle who sort of felt like they maybe were did not subscribe to the Trump GOP, did not subscribe to Fox News, um, but nevertheless felt alienated by uh, the way that they felt that um, uh, anyone who wasn't in line with liberal orthodoxy or with the anti-Trump resistance, at least, was being characterized. And I think the goal that Chris Licht has, which let's separate it from business concerns and, and whether or not it's something that can practically be done. His ambition is noble insofar as he is trying, like at this moment, even the New York Times is trying, like even the Washington Post is trying to say, okay, Trump, we, we tacked a little bit too far to one side during the Trump era. We might have been forced into that position. Um, by Trump and by someone who is so aggressively anti-democratic and anti-media. But we are news organizations. We are, we are not partisan. We are not meant to be partisan. And we need to have journalism and, and debate that reflects the broad swath of the country and reflects the nuances of political opinion and isn't just responsive to the sort of anxieties 
that so many people feel about the rightward drift of the Republican Party. And so I, I think that you can, you can, that Chris Licht and CNN can succeed in getting away from the sort of self-righteous grandstanding that took place, uh, for, at, at CNN during the Trump era. However, I do think that I do. However, I think that this is a really easy thing to want and to, to, to strive for in 2022 when we're sort of in this lull between the end of the Trump years and January 6th and we're not yet into the 2024 presidential election. But if we, if the Republicans have a candidate who attacks the media, lies, has no respect for the truth, um, suggests that the, the, the results of the 2020 election were fraudulent, as many Republicans do, that is going to be a real test for this notion of trying to be more all-encompassing um, in terms of in terms of how the coverage on CNN reflects the nation. And so I there is a part of me as a citizen that actually admires Chris Lick's ambition here, but understanding the political landscape as it is, I and and this is before you get into the business concerns, I see real headwinds to that because at a certain point, Chris Licht may be forced to decide what Jeff Zucker was forced to decide, which is, is it more important to us to appear nonpartisan or to appear on the side of the truth? And if you're running against an anti-truth candidate uh, uh, or covering an anti-truth candidate, that becomes really, really complicated. Yeah, and I don't think things like what you have reported in the past couple of days, you know, not using the term the big lie, using Trump's lie or lies about the election. I don't think that's enough. I don't think the average viewer will even really notice that. Right. That's, you know, if you really want to make a statement that we are making a change in our coverage, I think you have to eliminate some of the faces of CNN that were so associated with that kind of coverage, or at least have them change their tune. And we're already seeing this. It was pretty interesting the other day, Don Lemon, who had a very kind of resistance-oriented show during the Trump years, he is being lauded by Sean Hannity for his comments about Joe Biden, how Joe Biden um, doesn't feel that he has the energy to run in 2024 and is, you know, is a weak candidate and things like that. Um, do you think that is a sign of Don Lemon kind of getting with the program and trying to show that he's on board with the new regime? Um, or is that just uh, a coincidence? Well, it's actually, so it's, it's actually more complicated than that, but that, that incident is really telling. So Don Lemon goes out and criticizes Biden. The left gets after him on Twitter. Hannity kind of praises him while still kind of attacking him, but kind of praises him. And, and you wonder, is he doing this because he's trying to prove to Chris Lick that he's more in line with the new centrist mandate? And what, what, uh, people who pay at CNN and, and people around Don Lemon will tell you is no, he went, he called Biden weak six, seven, eight months ago, long before John Malone, the discovery, uh, uh board member even went on CNBC. And, and made his remarks that C CNN needed to get back to journalism and be a little bit more like Fox News and all that. Um, so 
So no, but what's telling about that moment is now because Chris Licht is out there saying, here's the new mandate, here's the way we're going to do journalism, and I'm not exactly going to hold your hand as we do that, I'm just going to tell you what we're trying to do, and then I'm going to sit back and watch and see whether or not you're capable of doing it, and I'm going to evaluate you. Now every decision like that gets made in this context of like, there's all this second guessing going on, which is like, did Don Lemon do that? Because of Chris Licht? And the answer might be no. But what's interesting to me is that now everyone's asking that question. People are booking guests, Republican guests, and all of a sudden not just thinking, well, I might have booked this guest anyway, like a year ago. This per- this Republican you know, commentator's been on CNN a bunch over the course of the Zucker years. Now they're thinking, oh, will that make Chris Licht happy? And so there is this really weird thing where because Chris Licht is evaluating the talent, everybody is sort of all up in their head uh, I believe the term we used uh, in, in my most recent article is mindfucked, uh, which really is what it is. I mean, everybody's sort of like mindfucked about, am I pleasing Chris? Am I not pleasing Chris? Uh, mm-hmm. With the exception of people who I think are very, very comfortable with what they do, like Jake Tapper, Anderson Cooper, Wolf Blitzer, whatever. Um, but So, so those faces of CNN are not going anywhere in your opinion? I don't think they're going. I mean, they're not you know, someone could conceivably go somewhere for other reasons or because their ratings are in, are terrible or, or what have you. But in terms of this new editorial mission, the people who are we sort of think of as like the very serious newsmen um, uh, who, who are household names, like those people will be fine. And it's not just men. I mean, I think Aaron Burnett, for, for in terms of editorial at least, will be fine. But if you have railed against... um you know, if you became sort of a, a pseudo celebrity during the Trump years because you had some tirade against Trump, against Mitch McConnell, against Fox News, and that you sort of saw your star rise based on your ability to be a sort of resistance hero, Jim Acosta be, you know, challenging Trump and getting his press credentials revoked in the White House briefing room and then writing a book about Trump's attacks on the press. Um, Brianna Keeler certainly became much more outspoken and, and, and got promotions because of that. Um, and Don Lemon had his turn too with a lot of those sort of monologues. And then of course you have Brian Stelter who, um, turned the, the ties between the Trump White House and Fox News and the threat that that posed to democracy into a beat and effectively covered that beat for years and years and also wrote a book about it. If that's where you're sitting, I think there are questions of, are you able to get in line with the new regime? Are you able to demonstrate that you can leave that, that resistance minded, um, you know, uh, grandstanding self-righteous thing behind you. And, uh, look, at the end of the day, these people are all talent and they get paid quite well by the standards of journalism. So I think I think a lot of them are capable of, of changing tack. I think the question... People in, in broadcast journalism, the biggest thing that can ever happen to you is you are off the air. And yes, I think there, many people yeah, will do whatever it takes to prevent that from happening. No, it is, it is, it is, it's good that we call it being on or off the air because it is oxygen for some of these people. But um, I think what's interesting about this is that Let's say some of the people I just mentioned who might be rethinking how they approach their jobs. Let's say all of those people are actually do great journalism for the sake of argument. And that they have been, let's even argue, I'm not saying I agree with this, but let's even argue that they have been unfairly characterized 
by the right, by Fox News. Um, even so, what Chris Licht is trying to do right now is resuscitate the brand and expand, uh, uh, build and maintain trust and trust with the CNN brand, the CNN logo. And in that effort, the the reputation or the perception of some of these anchors matter probably matters just as much as the reality, and so to a degree I mean, that by, gets by, to by, what CNN is as a business. Yes, if you look at the choices that are being made right now under the new ownership, is they're not necessarily being made for ratings purposes. I mean, the there was a, a legitimate ratings and business rationale for what Jeff Zucker did during the Trump years because he knew there was an audience that was absolutely primed to watch the outrage of the day and to see the anchors go off on whatever you know Trump lackey did that day that made them angry. There was an anger-oriented audience. And if you look at the profitability of these networks, I mean, obviously, Fox News is the most profitable. In 2020, according to Kagan, it had about $1.8 billion in profit, which is more than double what CNN had. But CNN's profits went up during the Trump years. The ratings went up. And MSNBC also went up during the Trump years. It's this hangover period afterward where I think a lot of these outlets are, are, I mean, MSNBC and CNN are really trying to find what their identity is post-Trump. And that's right. And CNN, for business purposes, thinks that the long-term value of the CNN brand is the asset. And I, you know, David Zasloff, the CEO of the company, has talked about this. If you go outside the country, CNN is just the news. It's yeah, in that's this right. Country, it's CNN International. And, and there are exceptions to that. I mean, there, CNN has made changes in other territories. People always email me when I say that. But uh, the... The the core value of the CNN brand is that global news network branding that, you know, they can go to Ukraine in a way that others cannot. They can cover things in a glo- on a global basis. And it looks like to me that they are going to sacrifice the ratings for the preservation of that brand. Right. And then that that goes back to sort of the original critique that I started hearing a lot about a year ago about Jeff Zucker's CNN was had he... That that brand is what makes CNN so valuable. That if you take if you take all the profits and losses from CNN's business, you can still add a premium on top of that simply because of the power of the brand itself and what that means, and the fact that when real news happens, invasions, bombs, coups, whatever, uh, that that people really do turn to CNN in meaningful numbers. And I think that there was a feeling that Jeff Zucker had was at least running the risk of sacrificing that brand power in the interest of a ratings play and positioning the network against Trump. Now, what I will say to that is that even after nine years of Jeff Zucker, he, clearly he did enough to sustain the brand's reputation for big breaking news events that when Ukraine happened, which happened right after he left, everyone turned to CNN. So, that didn't exactly go away. And I think in the meantime, the question is, you still have to have a business on all the days when news, real news isn't happening. And I think the big question for 
Yes, David Zaslav says this is a prestige play. It's about, it's a reputational asset. It's not a pro, doesn't necessarily need to be a profit center. And yes, Chris Licht has said, we don't need to worry about the ratings. I don't care about the ratings. I just care about doing great journalism. But at the end of the day, cable news is an expensive business to be in. It is a lucrative business to be in, but it is a very expensive business to be in. And it requires an immense amount of assets moving all around the, the, the world. Um, and you have to, if, if nobody is watching it, then I'm not sure that's something that David, even David Zaslav wants to sustain. And so right now, when you talk about the revenues that cable news gets, a lot of that comes from sub fees and the linear television model. And I think as we move more and more into streaming, I do think there's a question of how are we, how are we generating revenue for CNN without the sub fees? in terms of making it something that's appealing to subscribers. And if we're not, we're not necessarily going to get rid of it, but can we afford to spend as much money on it as we're spending? Well, we had a and great that, litmus test of that because David Zasloff, one of the first things he did when he came into the company was he killed CNN Plus, which was yes. a $300 million plus investment in a news product for streaming that did not have a ton of news on it because he can't put the CNN content on CNN plus because of all the relationships with the cable carriers. So that's this, you know, very difficult situation that CNN is in and they're not alone. I mean, MSNBC and to a smaller extent, Fox is trying to deal with this as well, where the audience for cable news is getting older and older. And yet the product on streaming is not quite up to what they would like it to be because they still make tons of money on TV. That's right. And, and man, you know, managing the decline of, of linear and continuing keeping your content there. Cause you, cause you reap so many, um, you reap so much revenue from it is forcing news networks to sort of delay going all in on streaming. And I think to their detriment, because meanwhile, they're losing, they're losing audiences. I mean, there, I think there are a lot of younger people who don't think when they think, when they're asked, where do you get your news? I don't think the cable news channels that that even occurs to them. Um, so this is going to be, this is going to be hard. And, and, and Chris Licht has, you know, Chris Licht has a really great reputation as an executive producer for taking shows that were in third place and repositioning them as sort of the smarter thinking person elite alternative. So he put you know, Morning Joe, that's the thinking person's New York, D.C., Acela Corridor, cable news morning show. CBS This Morning, if you live on, like, the Upper East Side, uh, you know, or or in, like, Beverly Hills, there's probably no one you'd rather see on your morning television show than Charlie Rose. Um, but... Well, not now. <laughs> well, not now. No, that's right. Back in the day. Yes, thank you. Um, but... And this, so that you get a lot of praise in the New York Times and Variety and whatever for what you do, but are you actually moving the needle in terms of business? Are you actually driving um, ratings? And for, again, just to, just to bring this full circle, for all the talk about we don't need ratings, this is just about reputation, they do need people to care about this and they do need people to watch and participate in this new version of CNN because if they're not watching, um, it's not clear why you're paying for all of it. Yeah, and it's interesting to me that the the changes you talked about, Morning Joe, CBS This Morning, and especially Colbert, were leaning into 
the audience of kind of uh, elite liberals that CNN is not trying to lean into right now. Yeah, they, well, they Chris are trying is... to go more populist. <laughs> Chris Licht, um, he's going to kill me. Uh, Chris Licht is doing all sorts of things right now that run totally counter to what he's good at. So he's actually very good at creating content for like elite liberals. And he's trying to, he's trying to move to the middle and do this broad, broad spectrum of political opinion thing. Uh, I think he has a mandate to do that. I think he actually believes in that vision and believes in his ability to do it, but it's a different tack from what he's done in the past. Most notably, he's a great hands-on executive producer and he is elected to not sit in the middle of the newsroom like Jeff Zucker did and put himself up on the corporate floor in Ann Sarnoff's old office and sort of lead it a remove by um, delegating day-to-day matters to uh, their programming chief, which is a drastic departure, not just from the Jeff Zucker years, but a drastic departure from the way that Chris Licht ran Morning Joe and CBS this morning and, and the late show with Stephen Colbert. Well, in his um, defense, I, w- I would say that the CNN job is a lot bigger than one oh, show. Oh, God, yes. So, uh, you know, it, it, I don't I don't know the logistics of the CNN office layout, but uh, he, he has a larger purview now. Totally has a larger purview, and I respect that, but I do think, you know, there is this question of, like, you're really good. You, you, you're a great executive producer. Why don't you just... Your predecessor was a very hands-on producer type leader in addition to all of his other responsibilities this is like this is your bread and butter don't you want to just dive in especially when like a 4,500 staffers are like can you please dive in can you please get your hands dirty um we really need a leader <laughs> who survives who doesn't in the new cnn if you if you had to bet, so you say that the state yeah, of the serious bet. people are saved jake tapper's not going anywhere by the way jake tapper is still responsible for my favorite cable news moment of all time after the first debate between Trump and Joe Biden in 2020, he comes on and said what we were all thinking at the time. Well, that was a shit show. <laughs> He's, he is capable of, of great and moments I don't know of, if he would have said that under Chris Licht. I don't know if, if Chris would have wanted him to say No, I, everyone... That. Even the people who will tell you that they have been the most serious, hard-nosed, unbiased journalists will tell you that they felt more free to sort of speak their mind under Jeff Zucker, um, knowing that he would have their back. Uh, who stays and who goes? I mean, start with the let's start with the preamble that like this is sensitive. I don't. No one wants anyone to lose their job. I don't say, and I don't. I don't delight in people. Um, the fact that someone might lose their job because they're out of, they, they were in line with their former leader and out of line with their new leader. However, that is the reality and that happens. So I don't know who's going to lose their job, but I can certainly tell you who is watching their back and who, who feels nervous. I think Jim Acosta probably feels nervous. I think he's watching his back. I think. Brianna Keeler maybe might feel a little bit nervous because she really went all in, a, you know, she got a morning show and she, would just go all in on these tirades against against Trump and and the GOP. Um, Brian Stelter is interesting, you know. Look, he's he's a media reporter and he'd been a media reporter for a long time, and he has relationships with with his bosses, I assume, by virtue of his coverage area. And, and he does that great newsletter that everybody in media reads, and he has a newsletter that everyone in media reads. He, and I think know, he has he has a Sunday morning show. 
So I yeah. don't know that he is on on the same level as some of the primetime hosts that um, are much more high profile. He became more high profile during the Trump years because the media became the story. Yeah, it did. It did. But, you know, again, it's like, th- this is the question. I don't, I think all of these people are capable of, of changing tack. But the question is, if fairly or unfairly, if Fox News and the right are obsessively going after you all the time for everything you do, does that become a problem for Chris Licht if he's trying to expand the audience of CNN to even include people who might be reluctant Fox News viewers or reluctant Trump supporters? Just, you know, and... Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know that you that... can manage that way, though, because you're, uh, Fox News will find a CNN villain where it wants to find a oh, CNN for sure. villain. For sure. So let's say sure. they eliminate or downplay some of the CNN talent that Fox has targeted. Tucker will find someone else. There, there will yeah. always be something that, that Fox can go after. And clearly the Fox viewers like it. <laughs> or else yeah, they wouldn't they keep do. doing it. They do. But, you know, in, if you, I mean, if you are, if you were, if you, if Chris Lick fulfills his mission and is doing something that is so thoughtful and nuanced that it sort of escapes, it becomes harder and harder for Fox News to like mine through the content to find something they want to make a big deal out of. Um, I think, you know, I, I do see a world where I do, I, I think, I think that, the tirades and the fulminations during the Trump era gave Fox News a lot to work with. And I do think that while Chris Licht isn't thinking about this in terms of how do I how do I not piss off Fox News, I think he's thinking much bigger than that. I do think that one metric of success for him would be giving Fox News less ammunition. Interesting. My pick for the secret weapon, Chris Wallace. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah. CNN totally. has a guy that is one of the faces of Fox News and was there for decades. And they hired him for CNN Plus. That didn't work out. But now they're trying to figure out what to do with him. And the best way to telegraph to the Fox audience and people who go back and forth is here's a guy that you know and trust. He was the face of that company's of, of that network's news brand for many years. And he's there. Give him a primetime show. Yeah. No, give him something like really make him the face. I mean, and again, this this uh, the last thing I want your listeners to come away with is the idea that like Chris Licht is trying to win Fox News viewers or appease Fox News. That's not it. But he is trying to do something that feels more accessible for people. So people don't feel like if they're not in line with the left, then then they can't watch CNN. Um, and, and Chris Wallace is a perfect, put it on at the perfect emissary for that. Yeah, you can put it on the airport. Right. Like you go to the airport in places in the South or, or places you can't, they don't put on CNN anymore because it's controversial. Right. And if and you put on Chris Wallace's face, people will be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And go back, go back to just how important you can get rid of all of the specifics and in the weeds on all of this and just go back to thinking about the brand. In 19, let's call it 1991, or even 1999, if you saw someone wearing a CNN hat, you didn't think much of it. It was just the news. 
in in this country. Today, if someone's wearing a CNN hat, that almost feels like political. It can in certain parts of the country. And I think Chris Lick doesn't want that. I think he wants it to feel like it is just like the nation's news network and the world's news network as Ted Turner envisioned it would be. And so a Chris Wallace, no one, no one waiting at their airport gate, whether they're flying to JFK or Tulsa or Cincinnati uh, or Key West, like no one is going to have an issue with seeing Chris Wallace on CNN at the airport. All right, we will see what happens. Dylan Byers, appreciate you stopping by. Dylan writes for Puck. You can go and subscribe to his newsletter there. It's called In the Room. It's fantastic. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me, Matt. This was a pleasure. All right, we are back with the call sheet, my daily prediction. Craig is still out on vacation this week. Producer Devin, are you excited to see Craig when he comes back from the Medi Spa or wherever he is this week? I can't wait to see his new face. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pay close attention to the new neck, maybe the ears, nose, whatever he has done. Uh, refreshed, I believe, is what you call it. Yes. Okay. Um, so today we are talking Lightyear, the Buzz Lightyear movie, which is the prequel slash spinoff of the Toy Story franchise. It's coming out this weekend, full wide release. The tracking is about 75 million. Disney's been lowballing, saying it's getting to only about 70 million. But uh, most people I talk to say 75, 80. So I'll go with 75. I'm going to take the over on this movie. I think that the Toy Story franchise is super strong still. The previous Toy Story movie, Toy Story 4, opened in 2019 to 120 million dollars, uh, went on to gross a billion worldwide. Don't think that Lightyear will get anywhere near there. I think that it's, you know, probably a the, the best case scenario is in the high hundreds, you know, 700, 800. But it's still a huge franchise. Chris Evans is a big upgrade from Tim Allen and the promotional abilities of this character. Um, what is, Producer Devin, what is your relationship with the Toy Story franchise? Well, I grew up with them, um, but I haven't seen one in a long time. I never saw Toy Story 4. Um, I am an adult uh, without kids, so I don't... Uh, not to say that adults can't love Toy Story, but I there's not like a little person next to me saying, I want to go see Lightyear. Um, I've got one of those, just, and it is yeah. pretty powerful, and all his friends are going to see it. He already has the toy, so yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't emotionally need like a young, hot Buzz Lightyear either. Personally, <laughs> I, I will say that that the Toy Story franchise is extremely strong. Like it's you know the original Pixar hit. It's you know if you look at the uh, the demos, people did grow up with it now, and they have kids. Um, and I, so I, I think that this movie is probably going to leg it out. Like people around the world know what the, know what this is. Um, it's just anytime you spin off a character you got to lower your expectations because it's not the same thing. Woody's not in it. Mr. Potato Head's not in it. Forky isn't even in it. Yeah, it's um, I, it'll be sort of like a whole new thing. It's kind of like a reboot almost, like a younger... I mean, I know Pixar yeah. has ideas about doing this for a number of their other franchises. Uh, they want to make a Frozone movie who is, you know, a character in Incredibles that may have a backstory. You know, they could do it with a number of other different types of 
um, of characters from these movies. And if this is successful, kind of sky's the limit there because Pixar is in an interesting place. The last three movies haven't even gone to theaters. Disney has used Pixar movies to boost the streaming service, Disney+. Plus. So they, you know, Luca and Soul and Turning Red, probably, especially Turning Red, probably could have done good business in theaters, but they chose not to do it. This movie is getting a full theatrical release with a typical, you know, window in theaters that uh, before it goes to Disney Plus. So they think they can make a lot of money on this. Yeah, that's very true. And the irony is that I will probably not watch it until it comes on to streaming. Uh, Are you a Disney Plus subscriber? I I am, yes. Is that for the Marvel and Star Wars stuff? Uh, it is pretty much exclusively for the Star Wars stuff. Me too. I like Star Wars. Although, I, you know, <laughs> because I have a kid, I would. it's like a utility. You have to have it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm married to someone who loves uh, Star Wars very much. So we, if you couldn't tell <laughs> from uh, my Star Wars poster a, behind me. She has me. a Star Wars poster and a very cute dog poster and a nice plant. <laughs> um, all right. So that is it. My prediction is take the over on $75 million for Buzz Lightyear movie. All right. Thank you, Producer Devin. I want to thank my guest, Dylan Byers. And I want to thank you. We will see you next week. 